Welcome everybody to SB Unfurled and Friends, episode 46. Willabon X here with SB Unfurled, getting you ready for the last regular season game against UMass at Amherst. After a five-game losing streak, the Bonnies turned it around. It was only St. Joe's, but there were some promising signs that maybe they're heating up going into March. How are you feeling about this team right now? It's been up and down. It's been, uh, I guess you would say, exactly what we expected. Um, the high highs, the low lows. They've shown that, you know, for a young, somewhat inexperienced, definitely inexperienced as far as playing together, um, we expected to maybe knock off a good team or two and then lose to a bad team or two. That's really what it's been. I mean, we beat the two best teams in the conference and we lost to the two worst teams in the conference. So that kind of shows you, like, not only that, but it's looking like we're going to end the season. Maybe the best odds right now are to end the season directly in the middle of the conference, right in the middle of the pack at an eight seed. So, you know, um, some frustrating spots, some frustrating moments. There's different things I uh, I was hoping to see. It seems like usually, you know, Schmidt teams start to really gel around February, and that's when we had our big five-game skid. Um, but, you know, like, in a rebuilding year like this, a complete reload, as, as everyone knows, you're still right in the middle of the conference. You know, this should be, you know, the, the low spot of this whole kind of not, not the entire Schmidt area, but I would say maybe the last 10 years, this season was projected to be kind of a low spot, kind of a rebuilding year. And we're still right in the middle of the conference and just a couple um, frustrating losses like St. Joe's or Loyola or even Duquesne away from being in that five, six, five or six range. So, um, yeah, some, some frustrating moments, but overall kind of what we expected. I heard somebody tell me on Twitter that this is probably the worst season since 2014. And, you know, that may or may not have been my senior year, <laughs> but that was also the season where, Jordan Gathers hit the shot against St. Louis. And where were we? We were in the eight, nine game. And then eventually, yeah. the, I think we were the, I think we're the nine seed that year, eight seed, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Eight, nine doesn't matter. We were we probably beat. nine. Cause we were in Brown, right? When we won. Yeah. But that was Those, against St. Louis. St. Louis was the one seed though. Oh yeah. 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 But I forgot. I, I, either way, we were in that eight, nine game. Well, we well number one, wasn't St. It? Louis. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was anyway. thinking those were even like on campus at the time. Like, the, weren't those first round games on campus no, for a while? No, no, no. This was in Brooklyn. Okay, I yeah, just remember losing to LaSalle in the conference tournament. That was in uh, twenty eleven. Twenty eleven. That was Andrews' yeah. junior year. Yep. Um, <laughs> but hey, they, they yeah. should get back to that home right. home first round games. That would be sweet. yeah. Instead of, the, instead of the Tuesday pillow fight, that's a whole mess. Yeah. We get into the A ten uh, tournament <laughs> issues later, but. What I was mentioning is that that team still was able to make a good run into the semifinals. Mm -hmm. And, you know, unless the catastrophic scenario happens where basically LaSalle and Davidson win on Saturday and we lose, we're probably going to end up in that 8-9 game. And, I mean, Davidson would scare me more than uh, LaSalle or St. Joe's. But I'm not mm-hmm. afraid afraid of VCU. I'm not afraid of anybody in this conference because this conference is so down. So there's nothing saying that it couldn't happen. I wouldn't put you know too much money on it, but I, I think it's 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 um it's entirely possible. But getting back to St. Joe's, clearly the real number one reason why we were able to basically win wire to wire was 
Daryl Banks had 36. I believe that was his career high. It's yeah. easily his highest since they lost at home to Fordham and he put up 29. And a lot of those were kind of um, free throw line. He was 12 for 12 in the free throw line that day. So I really think that was easily his best performance. Definitely his best performance since, you know, maybe the Richmond game at home. Mm-hmm. What what did you see out of him that can translate into Brooklyn or or even Saturday? Um, man, I, just real quick, just to throw out these, I got some stats on Banks just for perspective, and I can get into that a little bit. We're as a team, we're eleven and four at home. We're two and eleven on the road, um, right. and a lot of that has to do with Banks specifically and his performance at home versus on the road at home in the Riley center banks is shooting uh 42% field goal on the road. Only 26%. Um, it gets even more of a discrepancy when you look at his three point shooting in the Riley center versus an opposing gyms, he's shooting 42% from three in the Riley center. He's shooting under 20% from three on the road. And that translates wow. at home at home. He's averaging 21 points a game. On the road, he's averaging under 11 points a game. He's only averaging 10.8 points a game on the road. A massive discrepancy in his performance on the road versus in the Riley Center. We just need to move the A-10 championship to the Riley Center, and then we can beat anyone. But like, well, speci- Go ahead. No, I was going to say, once you mention yeah. that, I, my first thought is, oh, wow, I actually have to pay attention to home and away splits because normally I ignore those. But that that is indisputable. Yeah. Like Clearly, he loves the Riley Center. Just mm-hmm. to kind of look at Brooklyn, he shot four, two of five, 40% against Iona in Brooklyn and 35%, 14 points. That wasn't exactly a terrible game. So hopefully, with maybe a little extra juice during the tournament, he can, you know, yep. have a better performance. Yeah. I mean, I, I won't count us. I, anyone who says we can't beat VCU, I, I haven't heard that because even from VCU fans, like no one's taking any game for granted this season more than any other. And that's even with historically one seeds, not really performing very well. I think we might've been the only one seed in I don't know how long to win it in 2021. Um, One seeds get knocked off all the time. This is going to be a crazy tournament. I don't think seeding matters at all other than, you know, when you start, whether you start Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, it matters. But if you're one through four, it doesn't matter. If you're five through nine, it doesn't matter. If you're 10 through 15, it doesn't matter where you are within those three ranges. It doesn't matter what number is next to your name, I should say. All that matters is the matchup. Um, That's all you got to look at. The number does not matter. Look at the matchup. Look at who you have in front of you. Are they a good or a bad matchup? Like you said, I think Davidson, I I would rather play St. Joe's pretty banged up or LaSalle even than Davidson. Um, but oh, that yeah, might just be, so. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, getting back to St. Joe's, St. Joe's, one of the worst teams in the league defending the three. So I think that's kind of, after seeing pretty good defensive teams like Fordham and even Davidson can get, you know, they're, they're pretty physical down low. Menenga's really physical. They got some really skilled players, but, um, you know, teams have been able, when we look our worst, uh, that Duquesne game, we turned it over a ton. Fordham, we didn't even look – we we looked really bad, especially in the second half. Duquesne in the first half didn't even look competitive. Um, these teams are – to give us trouble, you got to be really aggressive defensively on the wing. So teams are like sagging off. If you watch, GW did this too. 
um, and they're pretty bad defensively as a team. You see these teams sagging off of our point guard, like Luke and uh, Rumple. They're just daring these guys to shoot. They sag off, they compact, um, and then they get really aggressive, uh, disrupting passing lanes. They run guys off the line. Banks, Farrell, Flowers, they all have had trouble at times getting the ball in shooting positions. Um, and I, I don't think there's enough chemistry yet on the team, unfortunately, to use that um, over-aggressiveness on the perimeter to our advantage and have those backdoor cuts. Remember how, mu- how many times Adaway would kind of slip baseline and get an oop or a little bounce pass on the right. on the baseline, slipping backdoor? We don't really do that, and I don't know how much is um, – you know, the chemistry issues still, or if it's just, you know, not really in our, in our playbook or whatever yet, but, um, that's kind of how we should be approaching it, but we haven't really done that too much. And then when our threes are off, I feel like we kind of just, you know, force feed venting down low and that's fine. Like that's a, that's a good option, but it can't be our only option. Um, and he's gotten a little better, like passing out of the post early in the year. I thought that was maybe one of his only offensive, deficiencies that we've seen like the the passing and the court vision but um yeah we're, we're trying to force pick and rolls and we don't really have a pick and pop guy and we don't have necessarily uh the guards that are gonna take a jump shot off a pick and roll or if they do it hasn't been very efficient and it's a mid-range look that you know it, there's better options I, I would say um I do think against St. Joe's the thing that helped Banks too we look, it was a lot more of an up-tempo game. It wasn't that half-court slog that we get into. I, I we just haven't really clicked in those half-court, um, those half-court sets when we have to keep doing it over and over. I think when we get out in transition, we looked a lot more comfortable. Yeah, I agree. And I think another development that we've seen since we last had a podcast is we've seen Brett Rumpel play a lot more, and that kind of goes mm-hmm. to some of the guard uh, issues that you've talked about. How do you how have you seen him develop? Because at the beginning of the season, when he first came back from his injury, I think it was a leg injury. Yeah, I think it was a yeah. knee or no foot foot. Didn't he break his foot? I think he broke oh, his right. foot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot what exactly it was. I knew it was a <laughs> yeah. kind of leg foot injury. But when he came back, I was I was not really impressed, and I was wondering how this guy was going to see time. But mm-hmm. around the, du- the Duquesne game um, on the road is when he first started really becoming a six man off the bench type of player. And the only in the last five games, the only time he has played less than 14 minutes was against Fordham on the road. I was there. That was bad. <laughs> um, yeah. But the reason why was Cairo Luke had a very good game. He was basically the only Bonnie that had a decent game in that one. And so he didn't get as much time. So uh, mm-hmm. how do you think Rumple can help out on offense in some of those um those guard issues that you you've mentioned because i think ultimately our defense is fine it's it's yeah. if our offense is going to be bad this team is going to be one and done if these guys are shooting like they were against st joe's or even in the second half against gw then mm-hmm. i think that they can go they can go to the semifinals at least yeah um you know it, it can be tough he, he's so quick and he's so fast and explosive um, but like I said earlier, teams can sag off of him and t- kind of take the, those drives away, those drives to the rim away from him at times because he's not a threat from deep right now. Um, he did have a three against Duquesne and it looked like a good stroke, but, um, you know, he's got a, a little bit more of a red light right now and I hope he can develop a shot, um, a, a good deep ball. But, um, 
he has that explosiveness explosiveness to get to the rim and it's not like he has tunnel vision when he's driving either you know you see some guards they they drive to the rim they get to the rim and the only thing they're going to do is throw it up at the hoop hope for a foul hope it goes in rumple his interior passing when he gets to the hoop is also pretty good he's had some you know some drives to the rim where he's blown past the guy and a defender comes over to help and rotates over and he's been able to kind of go up and then slip a pass to Venning or to Malouk. He did that against St. Joe's beautiful drive and, and dish to Malouk. Um, more of that more. And, you know, just controlling the ball, like our, our turnovers sometimes have driven me mad. The live ball turnovers. It's like, we don't value the rock. Like we should at times Luke and Rumple and, you know, a few other guys. So really Rumple, um, man, it's going to be tough against VCU because I think they kind of learned. They weren't really pressing us too hard. I shouldn't say against VCU. If we happen to play, if we happen to win and then play VCU, <laughs> um, I think they're going to press us a lot more. Uh, they didn't really get into a super aggressive press. It's kind of like a soft three quarter court press when we played them down there a little bit. I think they're going to switch it up and they're going to, they're going to really pressure our ball handlers. Um, we have struggled when teams have pressured our ball handlers and no one in the conference is better at that than VCU. So, you know, with Rumpel, um, he is what he is this year. I hope in the off season he can develop an outside shot. Cause if teams can be, have to be honest and come out to the three point line to defend him, that's going to make him all the more productive getting to the rim. Yeah. Rumpel, I think has taken a step up and I think it adds more to our guard play. Um, going back to VCU, like you mentioned just quickly, <clears throat> Rumpel in that game, two, two minutes, no points, two turnovers, and one assist. Yeah. So um, yeah. maybe Schmidt didn't feel like he was a good matchup for them. So maybe if we do get that far, that wouldn't be a game we'd see him in much. Maybe he just you know just didn't work out. But mm-hmm. we'll see that later. Um, we're doing a quicker podcast here, so let's get right to it. UMass on Saturday. UMass is on a big slide. It looks like they've won only one of their last eight games. It was a a really dominating performance against Rhode Island, which was kind of surprising, but other than uh, on the road, but other than that, um, UMass has really uh, fallen off a cliff. They've lost seven of eight. They just lost to Duquesne on Wednesday. They lost by eight, but I think they were down by like 20 at one point. They got killed by Dayton a week, a week ago. And then they've had some losses to LaSalle, Loyola, uh, Fordham, which is not a bad thing anymore, <laughs> and Davidson and George Mason. So they've <laughs> they've kind of fallen off in this last month. They they've only won the only game mm. they've won in February is that roadie game. So yeah, what are you expecting out of this game? Since it looks like at least from what we're hearing, Matt Cross and Noah Fernandes, who are two of their best players, have either shut it down for the year or they're still technically injured and maybe they're waiting for the tournament to come back. So yeah. what are you expecting out of this game? Forgive me. I haven't watched a ton of UMass hoops this month. Um, Fortunately, I haven't either. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I'm not saying I, and because I haven't watched too much, I, I shouldn't say anything like um, super. I, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that it, this time of year, let me just say, teams can quit, right? Like, and it's no coincidence their one win is Rhode Island. That's a huge rivalry game, and you can get you can quit as a team and still get up for um, a rivalry game. I don't know if that's the case. There's a lot going on with Frank Martin and with the fan base, and I don't know. Um, Fernandes is good, but they say the best ability is availability, right? Um, he seems to always be injured. 
but we beat them with him and with Cross. So now neither of them it looks like are going to play. Uh, RJ Lewis, I will say, he visited here actually in the offseason. We wanted him. He went to UMass. I think rookie of the year is between RJ Lewis and Jan Farrell. And if a lot of coaches are, you know, kind of deciding who do who do I want for rookie of the year, this game could be a determining factor. I'm interested in seeing RJ Lewis and Jan Farrell go at it a little bit. Uh, DeAndre Dominguez has been pretty good this year. Levac is is okay, but you know, other than that, I mean, they got some they got some size. Conte is a pretty big physical guy, but. I don't know. I just don't think they're super skilled right now. And it doesn't seem like they're playing as a cohesive team. Um, so, you know, I, I will say, obviously, as we have all seen on the road, we have not looked very good. So um, I, I think the St. Joe's game gave me a lot more optimism. Um the crowd was pretty good, actually, especially for students not being there. But after that yeah. five game stretch, you know, we could have quit too. We we could have packed it in and you know waited for next year. And it's a long season, man. Guys are tired this time of year. Uh, but we came back and really rallied against St. Joe. So kudos to the team and the staff and everyone. I I think that might have been the co- little confidence boost we needed here in the last couple weeks, uh, February, early March. So um, and that St. Joe's win is is not. You know, it's not. I mean, it's a ten in twenty twenty three, so it's not exactly a quad one win or anything. But it's it's a quality. Mm-hmm. It's a good win by our standards since they just dominated Richmond at home on Wednesday. They yeah. barely lost at Davidson, and they beat GW recently. They got payback against Loyola, so they've they've turned the corner a little bit. Um, I was watching a little bit of their Richmond game on Wednesday, and they've gotten better. So I think, yeah. I don't think that's your St. Joe's that you've seen in the last few years where they've barely won a game in the conference. But getting back yeah. to UMass, ultimately, I think as long as 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 Banks keeps the offense moving and hits the shots he needs to hit and, and Venning stays out of foul trouble, we should be good because UMass, I think, does have a size advantage. Uh, Levesque is 6'10", Dominguez and or Dominguez is 6'9", and Conte is 6'8". Even RJ Lewis is a guard of 6'7". I think they have a size advantage, but I think we have a speed advantage with everybody but Venning, and mm-hmm. that could that could play to our advantage. And I also don't think there's going to be any kind of road uh, crowd there. I can't see uh, UMass mm-hmm. fans getting up for this. It's, the, it's hockey time for them. They're probably worried yeah. about the hockey East uh, tournament, not the A10 tournament. So <laughs> I, I think, I think UMass. I hate saying just oh they packed it in because I don't think they've ultimately just like totally given up. But right. clearly, clearly the fire has been lost out of that team, and it looks like they're, you know, going to roll the dice in Brooklyn. But it looks like the season is pretty much baked for them. Yeah. Yeah. And like I said earlier, like we did, I don't know if you agree, but I thought we looked more comfortable playing a little bit more up tempo. Um, and UMass is a very up tempo team. They're like top, I think they're top 40 in the country in tempo. Um, so they're one, they're one, uh, number one in the A10 in tempo. Um, so, you know, it's, it could be a, a little bit more of a fast paced game. We, it seems like we have to get forced into those to do it. We don't necessarily want to play that way. We want to get into our half court sets and run stuff, but, um, UMass, yeah, they, they play up tempo, but they're not very good, especially, um, down low. Like they're, 
you know, they don't really have much offensive presence down low. So I, I think I agree with you. If, if Venning can stay out of foul trouble, I think we do have, I think we have advantages both down low and on the perimeter on both sides of the ball. Yeah. I think the last few uptempo games we've done fairly well in St. Joe's mm-hmm. is an uptempo game. Certainly GW was uptempo while we got down a lot and, that was another issue with making yeah. shots. I think the comeback was obviously up tempo, so it kind of evened out. And I think that was overall a solid performance. And, and, and getting back into that one, so I think I don't think we're against going up tempo. I, I think it's you know whether or not that tempo is making us lose or miss shots because mm-hmm. you can get up tempo and, and and chuck a bunch of bad threes, or you can get up tempo and get to the line because guys are running back on defense and in a bad position and have to foul. Yeah. And that's what I was just going to say. Um, you led me right to my next point. Like if we go up tempo, like we did against St. Joe's getting back into position can kill you. Like if, if teams have good ball movement, they can get up in transition, get some good looks. I get it. Reynolds went off. He was six of 11 from deep, but we did a phenomenal job on probably their second best player, Cameron Brown. Um, he was only one of nine from three. So you got to give a lot of credit to our guys for in you know, some of those were just open misses, but I thought we did a really, really good job on him. We've had some trouble, some difficulty guarding bigger guards. It felt like Adams and Bishop for GW were just getting to the rim at will. Um, and that's another thing Rumpel can help with. I think he has really good feet, moves his feet well. He plays good defense. I think Banks plays tough, good defense. Um, so yeah, like we, it could go either way, but I, I think we, we just look a little bit more, um, a little bit more in rhythm and Banks can get, kind of slip open in spots kind of weird to say about a team who's lost five or six but i think two of those games were you know coin tosses with gw and especially the duquesne game was ridiculous but yeah anyways let's get to a few questions which kind of lead us to what we want to talk about with the a10 tournament coming up so i'll just get the one right here that this will these couple ones we can bang out real quick thanks for sending in the questions by the way try to do a little bit of a longer one right before a10s but Mm -hmm. so far the first one Highest or lowest seed that the Bonnies can get? I think we can answer this pretty quickly. If we win on Saturday, they're an eight. If we lose on Saturday, then it could be eight or nine, which would be fine since that would be a, a single buy or 10. Mm-hmm. And then that means we're pillow fighters for the first time, I believe, in pillow fight history. <laughs> that that sounds correct to me. Yeah. Yeah. We've never been in the pillow fight since it started in 2013. 14. And the eight, nine, it's like, would, do you want to wear white or bur- like which jerseys do you like more? That's all it is. Oh yeah, of course. But it really, that really <laughs> depends on matchups. Um, yeah, I think going into a tiebreaker reminder, good or bad shape. Um, I think we're in better shape than. Um, I think we're in fairly good shape. We're better shape. We're definitely in better shape than Richmond, since we beat them twice. We beat St. Joe's once now, so we have those three wins. In case there were any four-way tie that involved Richmond, now basically, without getting into all the long. Um, crazy permutations like in week 18 in the NFL if like three teams tie or something. Mm-hmm. Basically, if Davidson or LaSalle lose on Saturday, then the Bonnies will get a single bye, even if we lose to UMass. A- am I wrong on that? I think that's correct, yeah. One of them has to lose. Where Whereas if, yeah. both, if all five teams, if um, the Bonnies lose and then like Richmond, Davidson, and LaSalle all win – then that's a five way for eight and 10 and we would be the 10 seed. So we would be on the, um, we would be mm-hmm. playing uh Loishai in, in 
Brooklyn on Tuesday, unfortunately, which is not something you don't want to do after after playing on Saturday. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it looks like if we do get that eight seed, we're most likely to play Davidson, but we could play Davidson, LaSalle, or St. Joe's. Um, those are those are really the three teams it's looking like will be matched up if we get in that 8-9 game. Davidson, LaSalle, St. Joe's. Yeah. Um, I think we can talk about that quickly. Who do you prefer? I prefer LaSalle. I was not impressed with them at all when they beat us. And pretty much since then, they've lost like five or six straight, I believe. They've... They've fallen off a cliff since since they beat us. That that was kind of a very odd circumstance. It may have been, you know, a letdown game after a big home win on ESPN against Dayton. They they beat Richmond and UMass right after us, but then they've lost four straight and they've looked pretty bad in those four, especially against Duquesne and on Tuesday night against Dayton. So I mean, my pick would be LaSalle. I wouldn't be worried about St. Joe's as much um, as Dayton or Davidson. Yeah, I think I do think LaSalle did look more cohesive. It seems like Dunphy is turning them into an actual team. Like in years past, it seemed like it was more just like an AAU street ball and it wasn't really like cohesive or anything. I feel like they did. They played hard against us. I haven't watched. I've watched a few of their games, but against us, they played they played hard. They were up in our guys and they um, they shot it pretty well. I mean, they, they hit 10 threes against us. So um I don't know. I, I would say probably I would want to play St. Joe's as, as long as Obana and um, one of their best bench guys, uh, Casper Klett. I don't even know how to say his name. Klaschik. Those two guys, <laughs> yeah. they're, they're like two of their four or five best players. They had nothing inside. Um, you know, they they didn't really have much skill without Obana down low. So I would probably lean towards St. Joe's, then LaSalle, then Davidson. Okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be afraid of either Philly team, though. I think we mm-hmm. can agree on that. So um, I guess we can talk about two quick ones here. Somebody asked, who do you think will make the final of the A-10 and win it all, and who are your dark horses? Um, I'm not going to do an official prediction until we see the bracket. I <laughs> I think um, I, I think Dayton's going to find a way into the final on their half of the bracket. I, th- I think they will. Um it's just I don't know if they'll win it, but I think they'll find a way. And I really think people still are not giving Fordham enough credit. We joke about Fordham being bad for so long, but in the metrics, the metrics are very low because their their non conference was very low. But this is a completely different team than some of the ones that were like I think they beat Central Connecticut State in overtime or something ridiculous at mm-hmm. the beginning of the season. This yeah. is a completely different team, and I know they had a rough shooting night at George Mason, but. I am glad that we are not playing them since I think that they have exploited a lot of our weaknesses in the two matchups, especially the second one. And I, you know, I wouldn't, you know, nobody in this A-10 is scary, but I would want to play them among the least for the Bonnies. Them and St. Louis, I think, are bad matchups for us. Um, And in terms of the other half of the bracket, um, I think VCU probably could run, although... um, you know, it depends on where Fordham would shake out. If I could think they could get them on a neutral court. Yeah. Um, I, I think I agree. Like in general, I, I would lean toward Dayton overall because I think they have the two best players in the conference, honestly. Um, and you know, especially if they can get healthy, they have really good shooters. They have, they have the potential. I know their fans are, um, kind of frustrated with how the season has gone, but you do just see some of the guys they have and you're like, what, 
man, they if they just put it together, they can win a couple games, not just win the A10, but that's a team that can win a game or two in the NCAAs if they if they gel and if if Holmes gets some help. Um, but I and the second part of the question is there even a dark horse? Like if I feel like all 15 teams are dark horses this year. I don't know. Uh, I, I have no VCU. idea where where is the cutoff between dark horse and not dark horse this year. I don't I'd know. say everybody but VCU, Dayton, and St. Louis are probably dark horses. That's so, yeah. I guess that's and even fair. those three um, are like dominant. So I, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Duquesne. I don't. I don't buy Duquesne as much as everybody is is uh, believing in them. I think George Mason. So- I think George Mason has some has some good talent, and I do think GW with the way James Bishop has played this season, they they can always you know make a run. Those are good ones, yeah. Those, those and I'm not including the Bonnies in any of these. Obviously, I think the Bonnies yeah. are going to win the whole thing and everything. Well, yeah, we're just um, <laughs> we're just we're just assuming <laughs> everyone else. Um, we're just assuming some kind of um, a meteor hits campus and and we can't play in the in the A10 tournament. So if the Bonnies, who else? Win, yeah, because we are yeah. we're both we both put our mortgages on the Bonnies to win the tournament already. Because this question really is: Who in this league do you trust to win three or four straight games? And there's no one I trust to win three <laughs> or four. Answer that I have no idea. No one. So you know, I your anyone's guess is as good as mine. Don't ask me. I'm not. I, I have no clue. If you looked at my bet history, you would not be asking me my advice on. <laughs> Who's gonna win? Um, hey, I had a parlay of GW and St. Joe's on Wednesday, so good nice. That's good. <laughs> well, yeah, I was like, oh, if the Bonnies win, then I'll win. <laughs> so there we go. Yeah, because the was, emotional hedge. Two... Yeah, the emotional hedge. That was perfect. Uh, <laughs> final one is we'll get two final ones. Um, is this the year Steve Curran gets a head coaching job? And speaking of head coaching, what do you think about the women's opening? I think this was quali- literally qualified with: Will Steve Curran move over and coach the women's team? If you look at like the questions uh, this person asked, right. they were like, he wants a head coaching job. We need a head coach at the women's league or the women's team. Will Steve Curran just coach the women's? And I was like, I don't think it works that way. Um, so no, I don't think he will be the next women's head coach. Um, be cool if like Crowley came back. I, I Maybe, I don't know. He hasn't been lighting the world on fire at Providence by any means. And that could be a good match um, if he wanted to come back. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, maybe he, he's certainly put in the time here and shown that he deserves it. Uh, there have been years in the past where I thought he would be gone and hasn't. And um, yeah, he wants to be the guy. Then he, he certainly can be summer. He's got a lot of connections to up in that, the Northeast area, Massachusetts area. Um and then was there a second part to that question? Um, no, it was kind of two parter. I mean, it was um, women's the, coach, w- and then, women's yeah. coach, and and Steve Curran. I mean, I think Steve Curran could definitely try to go the Dave Moore route and get a D two men's job. I don't know. I'm not saying it's not possible or he wouldn't want it. I just don't know how it happens. Like what, um, uh, how how a men's assistant coach would translate into a women's coach because. That's a whole different recruiting sphere is women's basketball or girls basketball in high school as opposed to boys mm. basketball. No, yeah, it's um, completely different. They're different. But, they're the same sport, but they're also different sports. It doesn't really yeah, work like Yeah, you can know coaches at the same school, but not really. Yeah. You know, it's a different coach. It's a different mm. program. Um, but going back to just the women's coach in general, I'm not as familiar with Erica Morrow herself. It seems like. You know, they were in a rough spot in this year and they could have easily, you know, we were talking about teams mailing in. They could have mailed it in. But her very first game, they beat Dayton, who was a fairly solid women's team. 
So they went, um, they, they went through a losing streak, but then they ended the year going uh, two and three. They won at Loyola. They beat VCU at home. So, you know, after having pretty much no wins to having three wins in your last six weeks or so, there's, there's some signs there. I'm, mm-hmm. I, I can't say I know much about how, um, about her recruiting connections. She used to be an assistant at Syracuse. So it seems like she would have some good connections in upstate New York. And that may help to get the women's program. It seems like out of the basement for a while of the um, a 10 after they made a few tournaments and not too long ago. Yeah. uh, I agree with all that. Um, And another thing I want to say just to, before we wrap up, because this question was also asked a couple times, just along the lines of um, who do you think is going to leave? Who do you want to leave? Who, what are our recruiting needs? And I can get into recruiting needs. That's fair. But uh, I never want any guys to leave as long as they're, you know, good teammates and good academic standings. But you got to remember like the last couple years, I think have skewed our, understanding and and like our ideas of how you build programs it's and it's the fans and it's the players it's so much instant gratification that's needed and it's like if a freshman isn't first team all a 10 people are like okay with him leaving and we can't just deem guys expendable just because they don't project to be like a star like oh this guy isn't gonna be Andrew Nicholson or Jalen Adams he can go like that's not how that might be how it works at some programs but our program's bread and butter is developing guys like this guys like Barry Evans and Anuar Malouk and Anquan Hill and Brett Rumple. these are really young inexperienced players and to like be this frustrated or and I, I get most people are patient but you just get some of these questions it's like I looked at um, the minutes for freshmen going back. And if you look at the minutes, Ladarian Griffin, 30, he played 30 minutes as a freshman. Dion Wright played 83 minutes as a freshman total. Denzel right. Gregg as a, as a sophomore only played 434 minutes to key, uh, 225 minutes. Conger didn't play 300 minutes. Davenport as a freshman, 300 some minutes. Marquis Simmons, his first three years in the 300 range for minutes. Jordan Gathers, 362 minutes. Brockington, Isaiah Brockington ended up being like an all Amer- almost an all American player. He played th- right. not even 400 minutes for us. Matt Wright, just over 500 minutes. All those guys, like Darian Griffin, Dion Wright, Denzel Gregg, Drees Saki, Demetrius Conger, Michael Davenport, Marquis Simmons, Jordan Gathers. Isaiah Brockington, Matt Wright. Do you think those guys were important in good teams? Of course they were. These are some of the most important role players or number two guys or just program guys that we've had. Barry Evans has played more minutes than all of those guys as a freshman. He's played 576 minutes. And I get like it can be frustrating. Some games he hardly plays, especially St. Joe's. Anquan Hill did not play. Evans hardly played. But just because that's happening during their freshman year, we can't just be like, oh, they're not going to be uh, Jalen Attaway. See ya. That's That just can't be how it works. You need these multi-positional guys to surround your star player or a star or two. Keep them, coach them, develop them. Uh, you know, they have a lot of length and quickness. Take advantage. You really want to allow 
Schmidt to build a program. And I get it's not the same as it was, but you got to be a little bit more patient about that stuff. Evans has played more as a freshman than all those guys. Yeah. And we didn't have a senior night because there are no seniors. Yeah. There, it would be naive to think that somebody won't leave from this team in, in mm-hmm. college basketball in this day and age. Obviously, somebody's going to be jumping, whether it is to uh, uh, what's perceived as a better program or what is perceived as a lower program. Somebody is going to transfer this team. I'm not going to speculate who because I don't want to. I have no idea. But what I'm going to say is that this team can return theoretically everybody. And mm-hmm. this team has shown that it can be towards the top of this conference. There was a big rough patch in February, but clearly there is enough talent where they can get there. You need Jan Farrell to develop a, a consistent three-point shot. You need Barry Evans to be a slasher. And mm-hmm. you need Venning to be a little bit more versatile on offense than just his incredible <laughs> post work. But he needs to have that a little more flourish. So there are yeah. obviously ways they can grow, but... A10 fans outside of Bonaventure are pretty ex- or excited, I would say, about how this team could be next year. I think, you know, unless we unless we hit it big in Brooklyn, this is probably going to feel like a little bit of a disappointment, but I can see us being right back there next year yeah. where we were. It is what it is. It's it's what we expected. It's a it's a rebuilding year. We're in the even at our worst, we're still like 8th we're still right in the middle of the conference. Um, for a while there, we were challenging even for a top four or five spot. Um, we have a ton of young guys. Just got to be patient. Hope they stay. You re-recruit them. Bring them back. And these are foundational pieces for next year and the year after. These guys are going to play huge roles if we can take advantage of the portal and get a couple really good players. Like All these guys that maybe aren't playing too much right now are going to develop hopefully into uh, into the Ladarian Griffins and the Congers and the Dion Wrights and those types. Yeah, we had literally zero points returning. We had four, mm-hmm. but the four points in, in Jack Shajori left. So we have literally zero yeah. points and no other team in the country dealt with that. Yeah. Schmidt had to build a plane while it was in midair, as the cliche yeah. goes. And I think, relatively speaking, it's gone fairly well. We've had some very high yeah. points, and hopefully those high points keep going. Hopefully we can avoid the pillow fight. We've never been pillow fighters in the nearly, I think it's the nine years of the pillow fight. We should probably have a, if it's 10 years, maybe we should have a little decade anniversary celebration <laughs> at some point in Brooklyn. But yeah, we don't want to, we want to watch the pillow fight from afar. We don't want to be part of the pillow fight. So mm-hmm. getting the win on, on Saturday will be big. And UMass seems like they are right for uh, picking and getting a second win against. So yep. watch out for that. Watch out on Saturday. We will um, we'll be back when we can get you an A-10 conference tournament preview. And we want to thank you again so much for joining us here on SB Unfurled and Friends. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at X at SB Unfurled. You can also follow us and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcast. You probably know them. You're listening to us on it right now. So go ahead and subscribe if you haven't. Thank you so much for joining us, and let's go Bonas. Go Bonas. Yeah.